Welcome to the official podcast of Forternia.com. We have the power. I'm your host, AJ, aka Voodoo Magic, aka Zor. And sitting hundreds of miles away from me is my right hand man at arms, Colt, aka Red Pyramid, aka Dad at Arms, aka the president and founder of the I Hate Fisto Club. <laughs> How you doing today, Colt? I am doing very well. Thank you very much, AJ. Guys, I'm going to be busting his chops a lot about this. So, but he's he's being a good sport. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so this is episode two of our podcast, and it's titled "The Time Corridor." An episode title borrowed from the 1983 filmation. Uh, series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, that classic. And it feels apropos, apropos because in this episode, we are going to kick off a string of episodes and go back in time almost a year and give our take, our impressions on the Masterverse, Masters of the Universe revelation action figures Starting with wave one today, He-Man and Skeletor. And number two, discussing at length each episode of Masters of the Universe Revelation, the Netflix series, starting with episode one, The Power of Skull. So it's an exciting lineup, and I know we're behind, but this is what it's all about for us. And... Um, and we'll catch up and hopefully, uh, you know, when the new series comes around, we'll be doing these uh, as they air. Yes. But um, I'm thinking we should do the figures first, Colt, because those came out first. Mm -hmm. But they, you know what? if I remember right, they released. I'm trying to remember, they released, was it a month and a half before the show premiered? Something like yep. that. But I tell you what. Before we even do that, let's skip a beat and let's go to letters because our podcast received the uh, our first letter, our first email to be technical. Oh, awesome. um, and um, it came from a listener or viewer, depending if he watched on YouTube, named Andy. And Andy says... Hey, I wanted to say that I enjoyed the first episode of your podcast. It's nice to find some guys who are at the same fan level as me. I'm not a keyboard warrior, just enjoying Motu as an adult and getting my son interested too. I just want to drop you a word of encouragement. Be well, Andy. So that's how about nice. that? Yeah, yeah that's, very, that's very sweet. Thank you, Andy. Like um, yeah, we we appreciate the encouragement. We can use that because we're just two silly guys doing a podcast. So uh, that makes us uh, feel good. Um, we love that you're getting your um, your son involved. You know, Definitely. hopefully, hopefully he becomes a Motu fan as big as um, you, Andy. Um, I have a son. He's somewhat into it. He's not as into it as I am. His shelves <laughs> don't quite look like this. You know what? He was in love with um, The Last Airbender. I don't know if oh, you've nice. ever 
yeah, invested in those shows. He hates that movie though, the one by M Night Shyamalan. Okay, the live the live action one. Yeah, M Night S. That's how that that's what we say. M Night S. No one can, yeah, no one can pronounce that last name. At least I can't. Yeah, but um, yeah. So it was the first letter we received that the podcast received. So um, we just wanted to read it on air, and if 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 uh, you want to send us a note. You can always send us an email as well at um, foraturnia at gmail.com, and we might just read it on the air. So please be nice. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So thanks. Yeah, we, 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 we appreciate those words of encouragement. You know, like you said, AJ, we're just trying to enjoy ourselves and trying to talk about what we love. And it's good to see that other people can dig what we're doing. Yeah, if they're enjoying it, it makes us want to keep going, right? Yeah. If, yep. if everyone's having a horrible time and <laughs> throwing virtual tomatoes at their screen, you know. Then, we'll, is... then we'll do it out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> we will hack into your internet connection and air this on your screen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of spite. That's what Colt will do because he's an angry guy. Angry yep. Mephisto. So. Mm. Actually, actually, do you want to humor me with Fisto before we start on the Masterverse figures? Do you dare sure. humor me? Okay. Sure. I'll, I'll humor you. All right. So regarding your issues with Fisto, Colt, mm -hmm. as an unlicensed therapist wannabe, as myself, I have prepared a list of questions that will hopefully get down to the root of your hatred <laughs> for Fisto. Okay. Now, feel free to answer yes, no, or don't answer at all and just give me your middle finger. Okay. <laughs> are you ready, Cope? I'm ready. My all fingers right. are flat. <laughs> so, so, and that might be an answer to uh, question one. So let's find out why you hate Fisto. Question number one, Cole, are you missing any fingers or thumbs and just jealous of anyone who can make a fist? No. Okay. Question number two, are you just a foot person and would really prefer a character named Foot-O? <laughs> no I, I i'm i'm very specifically not a foot person and a character named foot o would just make me foot over i see i see all right uh question three do you really just have a problem with the letter o and would be fine <laughs> with a character named fist m fist n or fist p <laughs> no i don't i don't i don't have a problem with the letter o <laughs> hmm interesting guys uh, colt's gonna leave his podcast in record time <laughs> all right um do you have a fear of orange beards no because i actually have a reddish hue to my beard can't see it on screen but there's some red in there so that's definitely not my problem with fisto all right, last question, and I'll stop torturing you. Um, <laughs> do you feel sorry for Fist, though, 
that he has to use his non-dominant hand every time he has to scratch an itch. <laughs> I'll give that one a yes. Cause I, that, that would okay. be tough. All right. Well, maybe, maybe there's something there, but be honest with you, I'm still stumped. So guys, <laughs> I don't know. It looks like Colt's problem with Fisto goes deeper than we thought. And we won't be solving that mystery anytime soon. <laughs> on, today, on, to, on today's episode we won't be solving cold problem with fisto no but i promise we'll keep working on it we'll get to the bottom of it we will help cult through <laughs> this issue uh, for the record guys cult didn't know that was coming so. i did not i feel i feel a little flushed in my face. I feel like I'm blushing. <laughs> you feel love. You, for... you feel like someone's trying to help you. I'm, I'm reaching yeah. out. You it's know? all it's all in good fun. And after this is all done, I will be prescribing some medication as well. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, guys. On that note, Colt has humored me enough. Um, so we're going to start with... Um, the Masterverse, He-Man, and Skeletor. And we're going to start with a little history, just like um, Colt was leaning to, um, where uh, Mattel unveiled a new Masters of the Universe Masterverse toy line last year. It was announced ahead of the new Netflix series, Masters of the Universe Revelation. Um, Masters of uh, the Universe Revelation premiered July 23rd, 2021. But like um, Colt was saying, the first wave of figures became available June 15th. Now which, that shows... Which fun, which fun fact, June 15th is my birthday. That is awesome. So, really? So, yeah. So the fact that they released on my birthday was very exciting. And now that I, is cool. I went to my local Walmart and they had nothing. <laughs> There were no He-Man figures on the shelf, so I didn't actually get them for my birthday. That is awesome. I'm going to tell you a little personal fact right now. My poor wife, her her birthday is the same day as Hitler's birthday. I am oh, not lying. Mind. Yeah. Oh, that's that's rough. So I like yours better. <laughs> <laughs> yours, instead of bringing us death and destruction and memories of death and destruction, yours brings He-Man and Skeletor figures. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So this shows. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a silly one, guys. This shows a uh, complimentary toy line started with uh, six figures in that wave. It was He-Man, Skeletor, Evelyn, Mossman, Battle Cat, and Skelegod. And I believe Skelegod Colt was considered a deluxe version. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he was a deluxe. And that was at a higher price point. And mm -hmm. um, this new Masterverse collection was advertised at a base size of seven inches with at least 30 points of articulation for extreme posability and uh, was equipped with um, accessories unique to the characters. And um, I seem to recall in the beginning that there were um, silhouettes of yeah. the characters that or of the figures that were available at first and if i remember motu classic 
figure fans were saying, if this is not a direct continuation of the classic figures, we won't be happy. And we have zero interest. So um, mm -hmm. clearly they were giving it a fair shake here. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember, though, when those uh, silhouettes were first revealed, um, there was actually more silhouettes than what we would eventually get with wave one. If I was remember there? correctly, yeah, because I remember specifically, I could see, I could identify the silhouette of both Evil Lynn and Tila, and mm. Tila's silhouette actually isn't her mercenary design; it's her classic design. And so I remember, I remember that silhouette being there. Okay, so you know that's interesting because yeah, I've always wondered, and we're going to get to He Man Skeletor guys. I've always wondered. Why did they release Skelegod so early? I mean, that is it was a, it, yeah, it, and that was a big spoiler for the yes. show, right? It was kind of surprising. And if I remember the um, all the YouTube, um, the big YouTube reviewers of action figures, I think the first figures they got was Battle Cat and Skelegod, or a lot of them yeah. did. Well, I think those were the ones that were most that were they were the first on the shelves, and they're still the ones that are on shelves now there's so many skeleton and battle cat figures most places you go from what i've experienced actually in my neck of the woods colt i can't find mm -hmm. battle cats i can't really battle cats and there was a time where they went on clearance and some people in certain states were saying oh my god you can get this wrath off mm -hmm. never once the time they were in my target still and i would run them over a few times to the little scanner mm -hmm. i'm like even if they're not tagged as clearance maybe they are still you know half off but not in my neck of the woods you know yeah I, ne I never saw them for the the clearance prices but okay. even just two days ago i was at my local walmart and there's stacks of skeleton and stacks of battle cat figures isn't that interesting how mm -hmm. uh different stores in different regions there seems to be either a lot of movement on certain characters, a lot of movement on other characters, a lot of movement on the entire line or not much movement at all. You yeah. know, it's it's really yeah. regional, the popularity, but clearly, and we could do this on a different podcast, but we have articles on foreternia.com. Mattel was initially very pleased with the Masterverse sales. Yeah, yeah. I think they said it increased sales by what was it by by over three percent than what they had initially projected something like that i might be re misremembering but but yeah, the, toy sales, the toy sales were better than they had anticipated and better than they had projected and they were very happy with their numbers yeah they had a big jump and was thankful to in part these masters of the universe masterverse figures and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they were very excited. And I was excited to hear these were a success at launch because what does this mean? More figures, right? Yep. It means so, that the toy line is viable and that justifies more toys and hopefully more Masses Universe projects. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what do you want to tackle first? Do you want to tackle He-Man or the Lord of Destruction? Well, I think it would be appropriate if we just jumped right in with the main man. Oh, uh, yeah, let's do it. So, Colt, why don't we get, why don't you start here? And okay. let me let me throw up an image for everyone here, and hopefully it's not going to block us. 
let's see if I get this is obviously for just our YouTube viewers. Ah, right in our faces. Look at that. There he is. <laughs> there he is. All right, I'm going to take him away for now, but uh, there he is. All right, go for it. What, what do you think about the Massiverse, Masters of the Universe, Revelation, He-Man action figure, Cole? I, I like him a lot. I, I think I have, you know, I have my disappointments with the figure, which, you know, there's a couple of Masterverse figures that I have disappointments with, but overall, he's a good figure. I like his proportions. He easily identif identifiable as He-Man. I mean, you see him hanging on the shelf and you know exactly who it is. Um, yeah, I, it's exciting because when I finally got him in hand, I was like, I have a new He-Man figure in my hands. And that's always exciting for me. So, Cole, I threw up this photo up here. It's blocking our pretty faces. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a figure. Uh, it's the He-Man uh, Masterverse figure and some shots from Revelation. And um, my perspective with this He-Man is uh, I listened before I got it in my hands. I heard a lot of criticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the main criticisms I heard was the head was too small for He-Man. Yeah. But if you look at the way the animated figure was created and was designed in Revelation, the head is just generally smaller. It isn't a design flaw. Yeah. No, it, it, ma it matches his animated counterpart. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone watching on YouTube, you can see on the photos that we have presented on the screen, especially the one in the top right. Yeah. I mean, his his head looks uh, a lot smaller than his body, even on the top left as well. And these aren't manipulated screenshots. These are just actual, you know, stills from the film. And if anything, I think the Masterverse uh, figure actually um lessened the differential between he-man's head size and his body to some degree yeah he doesn't look as massive in the toy version as he does on screen yeah yeah and you know, uh, his physicality and but i still think there is a little proportion difference between the head and the body and i i guess i'm just trying to say that out of all the criticisms I heard, um, I don't really think it's a valid complaint, um, considering the cartoon it was trying to emulate. Yeah. You know, and another thing that I heard a lot of people take issue with is just how the figure seemed, I don't know what's the word, lanky, like how the figure seemed lanky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, two small head lanky figures and stuff which again i don't necessarily buy that criticism because the 2000x action figures exist and they're super lanky, lanky with tiny heads and weird proportions as well and for you know for my in my opinion i think the masterverse figures look much better than the 2000 series action figures i actually 
I actually think, yeah, these look fantastic compared to mm -hmm. the 2000X figures. And I don't have that impression of this lankiness. It's a body type of actually seeing. Actually, I'm a big fan of this uh, CBS show called Survivor. And I could wish I, it's the latest season, season 42. And I, could, I wish I could remember the contestant, but they kind of referred him to as a Captain America. Okay. But this, this guy pretty much has the same body type as He-Man. And he has this, he's very tall. He's six foot, I don't know six or something and his, his he has a very lankiness appearance to him so i don't necessarily see that as a negative um to human anatomy or the figure and actually if you ever look at these like uh shots of real bodybuilders <laughs> their heads do look small compared to their bodies man yeah i mean their muscles are so big something's got to look small and it's the head yeah just their pecs alone you know, yeah. so, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's funny that you bring up Captain America, because in that first uh, Marvel movie, you know, the first Captain America movie, when we first see Chris Evans, you know, muscled up after he gets injected with the super soldier serum, his head looks small in comparison to his new massive muscles. It does. It does. So, so when I got this in hand, I wasn't um, upset at all. Um, first, I guess if we just go to the packaging, right? It has this interesting, um, window box packaging and it looks like there's hieroglyphics sort of yeah. on the top of the box. And yeah, there's, I, there's, there's a bunch of different sy symbols that, you know, kind of represent different, different characters, different factions within the masters of the universe. It's yeah, like towards the right, thing. I see that the Havoc staff, mm -hmm. and it looks like towards the left of that is the Horde symbol. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is interesting. And um, so the we've even got the we've even got like the double swords that you know, the double H slash swords symbol yeah. that we see in the CGI cartoon, like it's on there. Yeah, so it it's interesting packaging for sure. And I, I do love that you don't have to destroy the packaging to remove the figure, you know, it's very, that it has, yeah, very collector friendly. Yeah. That has a pullout tray so you can choose to display it, leave some of the accessories inside and then just um, slide the tray back in or slide the figure back in. And um, it, uh, it pretty much looks brand new. Mm hmm. Also, what I was immediately grabbed by this packaging was the the art of um, Amon O'Donohue, and you know it's the beautiful artwork, beautiful artwork of He Man and um, holding the power sword, and the power sword is like charged up, and um, it's really terrific on on all the box art he's done. But um, being my first impression of getting He-Man in my hands, I think it was the first figure I got in my hands. Um, I really enjoyed it. And then I pulled it out. And to be honest with you, like I said, I didn't have any of the proportion problems. I looked at, at his face and I wasn't mm -hmm. sure about the head. I had no problem with the head necessarily. But I, I started wondering, is the head on He-Man a better Adam than he is a better He-Man? You know? Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting 
I, I think that's one of my main complaints with the figure is the face sculpt. He looks a little, I don't know. The, it, it has grown on me. When I first saw it, I was like, I don't like this very much. What I do like about it is I like that we finally have a He-Man figure that is smiling and he looks happy. Because a lot of the He-Man figures we get, he's in, you know, he's got a grimace on his face or yeah, he looks like he's ready for battle, you know, so... Unless you have that I, I, uh, I don't, filmation laughing one, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The laughing, <laughs> laughing Prince Adam. He's got his head cocked back, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that 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 was definitely uh, one of the things I kind of scratched my head about was just so, just the face sculpt. And I'm with you on the face sculpt, and I was saying this is probably a better Adam than a better He Man. But you know what? It grew on me. So at yeah, first, yeah. I was like, I'm going to replace it with Faker's. Um, yes additional head yep, and paint, paint those paint the eyes blue yep and paint those red eyes blue and then i was like you know what um the there was a custom head that was um being passed around not not the custom head itself but the news of this guy i think it was hordak yeah hordak and, mx right. i actually have that's the i have that head on my figure I'm one of my, I have multiple He-Man figures, full disclosure. But yeah, I've got, if you can see that, that's yeah. the Hordak MX head sculpt. So I picked up one as well, okay? And ironically, Colt, I never kept it on my He-Man figure. Um, I This original head has grown on me that the the he-man up there on battle cat um screaming for eternia mm -hmm. promoting for eternia.com <laughs> as he should as he should um that that i i wanted to keep the original head on so i actually have a custom head that's wrapped up in little bubble wrap that is just not getting any use so for some reason it has grown on me like i said i never thought it was bad i never thought it was too small based on the cartoon i just thought maybe it was a better adam than a he-man mm -hmm. but now you know what I, I it's grown on me i i, I have no complaints and the original he-man head is on my figure so you know and i think i think what it does what for me the reason it's grown on me is having seen the series you know seeing all 10 episodes we get a better idea of who he-man is and who adam is and he's there's very few instances in that show where he's not you know smiling like he's he's a happy character you know yeah considering like that. everything that's happened yeah it definitely yeah. is yeah. yeah he's still you know he has an easy smile and I think that's important to the character himself. So looking back at the figure, I think there was another complaint that his, um, what do you call it? His power harness. Yeah. Um, the, the H symbol was, you know, has replaced the, the cross symbol that he's, that he usually has. Actually, that's not where I was going, but yeah, oh, okay. but, but we could go there right now. Um, yeah, I'm fine with the H simple for yeah, uh, symbol yeah. versus the, iron cross i know there is some negative connotation to the iron cross um i i'm not an expert in that something to do yeah. I think, with with 
one of the world wars and maybe the Nazis. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. I just think it's, I, I think the H symbol is more, I don't know. There's more action. There's more vintage action figures that sport this H symbol on them than they do the cross symbol. Yeah. In all and fairness, so I, I, think, I think it's more of a branding thing if I'm being honest. And if all fairness is some people go say, Hey man, why'd you, why'd you modify his power harness, man? And for the new cartoon, well, if you guys remember the, um, the vintage toy, didn't he have that symbol on the battle armor? Yeah. Battle armor. He man had it. Um, the, uh, fist, the flying fist, he man figure had that symbol on it. Yeah. I'm looking around my, I'm looking at my shelf. Yeah. Battle armor had it. Flying fist, he man had it. I think even not the laser lights, he man, but there's another one in there. The power punch, he man. Yeah. They all, they all have that symbol, the H, you know, the H symbol. So it's nothing new guys. So it's, no, nothing it, it, it's been, it's been part of the, part of the brand for quite a while. And it's really not something to get bent out of shape, you know, over, yeah. but, um, so I, but actually what I was referring to is some people were complaining that the battle harness was, was too high up on his chest that okay. you, could, you could see some of his pecs underneath the battle harness. But to be honest with you, I can see that on the cartoon version as well. Yeah. Um, that even straight on, um, on, for our YouTube viewers, I'm, I'm posting pictures again, that, um, the top left appears again, that it, it's resting a little higher than where his pecs line up mm -hmm. the bottom, the bottom pecs as well. So it's, it's, I think it looks more prominent where the joint is, you know, where, yeah, yeah. That ab, that ab crunch joint. Yeah. But again, you know, I don't see you know, once you pay attention to the cartoon, they they were clearly trying to come as close to that power powerhouse studio animation model yeah. as as much as they could. So, so I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, and I liked it. Um, some of the other complaints were that the gauntlets were too yellow; they're not gold enough. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, fine. for a twenty dollar figure, we're it's a good figure. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, but we're collectors, right? And yeah. we nitpick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do it. I do it as well. My main complaint about this figure, aside from the face gold is that he didn't come with a battle ax. Uh, yeah, but that's not really filmation, right? The no, battle ax. No, it's no. Not. I mean, the shield I, isn't either. And but it's not. And, and I think, I think that was just my main thing is like, no, every, he-man action figure always comes with a sword a shield and a battle axe so yeah. where's my battle axe and that that was the extent of my outrage <laughs> <laughs> well i i overall really like this he-man so um now he's not my favorite i'm going to ask you colt what your favorite is but i'm going to tell you mine first my favorite he-man is behind me it's the club grayskull classics 2.0 filmation um not the ultimate that came out afterwards from super seven but the actual just filmation one i had okay. it right behind me and that's that's my my favorite he-man but you know what 
I really like this one too, and I'm glad I have it. And I, I, I have them primarily displayed on my um, battle kit. Very cool. Yeah. So what's yours? Your favorite? So I'm going to cheat a little bit, but my favorite He-Man action figure is the Classics PowerCon exclusive Horde Zombie He-Man. Oh. That's, that's just because it's a green tra translucent figure and i'm a sucker yeah. i'm a sucker for glow in the dark figures and translucent figures so but no as far as a standard he-man figure goes uh my i guess my favorite my favorite vintage is the battle armor he-man um i don't know i, lo I like them all every time a new he-man figure comes out i get excited yeah, I re I really like the Revelation one. I think at first I you know kind of was worried about it, but the more I have it on my shelf, it's grown on me. I have three different figures of Revelation He Man. I have the one that I customize heavily that I sh that has the custom head on it, but then I just have two standard ones. One is a Stride Battle Cat over on that shelf, and then one is behind me up on this shelf doing the spin move with Tila. The spin from move. From revelation so guys yeah. just so you uh know um while colt and i both uh collect figures um i kind of just display them amateurly you know just pretty much standing there holding a weapon but um you know uh colt is really into uh dynamically posing them and he's getting into mm -hmm. um taking photographs as well and uh, aren't you um starting to put images on a uh, instagram page do you want to share that account uh yeah so that's actually where the dad at arms moniker comes from is from my instagram account and yeah it's a toy photo account with a big focus on he-man figures yeah so very so, new at it i'm de i definitely don't claim to be a professional at it but it's a fun hobby that i've picked up in the past year and it's been a lot of fun that's what it's all about having fun so yeah so it sounds like we're both high in the he-man figure and mm -hmm. they both um for both of us it grew on us but uh so let's now move to skeletor and be honest with you i can't say skeletor the masterverse masters of the universe revelation action figure has grown on me the same way and i'm going to be brutally honest that this is either my least favorite masterverse figure or it's tied with my least favorite masterverse figure of the line now this doesn't mean i hate it i have a trash can underneath me it's not going in the trash <laughs> But I am disappointed uh, with this, and I'm I'm really going to kick it off now, and then I'll let Colt uh, pick up on this one. I'm going to display the um, for our YouTube viewers some images of Skeletor from Masters of the Universe Revelation, and the um, Masters of the Universe uh, Masterverse Skeletor, and it actually looks more closely um then it does in hand but the face color is off it's one of my first beefs with skeletor where skeletor in the cartoon in both the filmation series and um in revelation has this yellow face but the masterverse figure has this greenish bone color 
it almost uh, looks like it's supposed to be a glow in the dark face, but it doesn't yeah. glow. No, it does. When I when I yeah, when I first saw promotional images for it, I was like, oh, that would be cool if his face glows. Because that's I mean, that's what I thought it I thought that's what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's 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 cool on its uh, on face value, but once you start getting into the Lawrence saying this is not scare glow, you know, unless there's some sort of story driven reason why his face is glowing. Um, But yeah, it it comes off as green, and when you hold this figure in hand, um, a lot of his armor is this like light purple. I'm not very good at colors, guys. Yeah, the color. Well, the colors don't match on this figure. Even his skin tone is, uh, you know, it's the blue is very light. The purple in his armor is too light. It's almost a, a I don't know. It's yeah, it's a light purplish color, almost a pastel purple, instead of a deep dark purple like in the cartoon. It just, I don't know. The best part about this figure to me is his havoc staff. The havoc staff staff looks amazing. Yeah, I have to agree with the uh, Havoc staff, except, man, I would have loved this figure to come with a fireball and the Havoc staff mouth opens. Oh, I would love to have an articulated Havoc staff like that with the jaw opens. Yeah, and that would be so good. A translucent fireball to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, forget the shaping staff because, I mean, I like the shaping staff, the lore behind Filmation, but it's just a not a very good looking piece of plastic here yeah Um, and it's yeah it sits in a separate container on my shelf out of use (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i and guys yeah if if i have any sort of um disappointment in masterverse it is this skeletor figure i still um i love by the way don't get me wrong guys i adore the way the Skeletor looks in in Masters of the Universe Revelation and um, Amon's um, O'Donohue's art as well. And the artwork looks great. And again, it looks like a yellow skull face. <laughs> yeah. You know, unlike the actual figure that comes across this green bone color. And Yeah, um, it the face, I don't know. I'll, the only thing I can think of with the face is it reminds me of a glob of toothpaste. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's, <laughs> what, not, well, that's, that's not a good look. <laughs> what a uh, review that you like. You, you know, have you those movie <laughs> reviews where you have a caption and you slap on top of the movie poster? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a glob gl- of toothpaste. <laughs> a glob of toothpaste says Colt from fourturia.com <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I doubt they're going to print that on the box. No, probably not. No. Which but, is disappointing because yeah. Skeletor is always one of my one of the figures that I always look forward to the most with any new Masters of the Universe toy line. I mean, it's a skeleton man. Like, what's not to love? Yeah, I'm almost tempted to actually repaint the whole thing. You know, just yeah. to see how it comes out. Repaint the face yellow and repaint the armor. The, the whole everything, the whole body correctly, and so then I can really identify if that that sculpt. Um, can really produce a, a, a gorgeous Skeletor, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe one day we'll see. So yeah, the good news with these figures, though, is it you know it's only gets better. 
you know, yep. as, as we keep going down the line, it's like, they are on a roll, you know, and, um, they just keep outdoing themselves in my opinion. So, but, um, yeah. one, one thing that I, one of the, I guess one of the changes in the mass first line that I think is interesting has to do with the package with wave one, all of the standard figures, when you pull them out of the box, they have a clamshell plastic case that holds them in to their tray. Yeah as opposed to subsequent releases of, you know, starting with wave two, where they have the plastic ties that hold them in. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting. I wonder why that, I wonder why, why that, that is. Seems odd. We, again, like we said in the uh, first podcast, we're going to have to get someone from Mattel if we can. Yeah. And I mean that we're going to have to try really hard um, as this podcast grows and see if we can get someone on that can like answer these questions, you know? Yeah. So, so I think that's it for He-Man and Skeletor. I'm going to say thumbs up for He-Man and thumbs sideways for Skeletor. Yeah. What's Solid sideways. So, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a side. He's he's my least favorite Skeletor action figure. Yeah. Oh, I, I even I, even 2000 and X. I actually really like the 2000 X sculpt. The only thing I don't like about it is the weird hunchback look that all those figures have. But I like how his chest is sculpted it kind of makes him look like a demonic decrepit type of creature mm -hmm. i don't know it's very cool the only one i have for reference is the disco skeletor figure hanging here on my shelf and he's mm -hmm. really shiny so you can't really see those details but i don't know i dig that sculpt on him but i yeah. think I'll, I'll have to say the 2000x is my least favorite but hey let's finish this up how we finished he-man what sure. is your favorite skeletor figure um, I think my favorite Skeletor figure would be, I actually really like the classics version of Skeletor, the first release. Yeah, I think they, I think they nailed it with, with that. It was a perfect blend of the vintage toy with updated articulation and sculpting capabilities. I, I remember seeing him. I think I said this about when I saw the prototype for He-Man in a magazine, but I remember seeing a review in a Toy Fair magazine for Skeletor for classics way back in 2008. And I was just blown away by how beautiful of a figure he was. And I couldn't wait to get him in hand. Yeah, that's a good looking figure. There's no arguments with that, but uh, my favorite, and I have them over here is surprise, surprise filmation Skeletor. But it's the ultimate Super 7 version. So it's not Classics Club Grayskull 2.0. This is the ultimate with the laughing head. Very um, cool. But why I love this figure above the um, Club Grayskull is they improved it. It's they, I think one of the best improvements they did was actually the Club Grayskull Filmation Skeletor um, has purple within the hood. But on this version, they actually painted black within the hood. Oh, so very cool. It looks like just like the cartoon where the, I don't know if it, but it the, the head's more floating. You know, it's black. Yeah, where it looks like it's a, yeah, it looks like it's floating in shadow or something. Yeah, just like the filmation cartoon where Club Grayskull Skeletor, I guess, 2.0 
is purple and you know there's no coloring inside there's no black paint inside so you can yeah. still see the purple of the hood inside so this is my figure you know and i know that phil filmation fan and is shining through be honest with you um filmation i think has the qu quintessential looks of certain characters um for sure. me it's skeletor and another one would be merman and i just think the best merman version versus the mini comics versus the vintage figure is this version you know the one that nice. we also got in um, masterverse as well um and masters of the universe revelation but that is another podcast yes yeah so um colt do you have anything else to say about he-man and skeletor masterverse uh just that i mean as much you know, we kind of talked down on the Skeletor figure. I'm still happy he's in my collection. Like, I will buy a new Skeletor and He-Man figure every time they release one. Oh, um, I'm happy. I'm happy he exists too. So, yeah. um, been better, but that's okay. Yeah, there's there's always room for improvement. And you know what? They they improve dramatically with each wave, and. Uh, as we continue with this, we're not saying, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to happen in every episode because we hope it's going to be mixed up. But as we continue with these these segments and work down the Masterverse line, um, I think we're going to be even more and more and more and more excited unless we get to Fisto and then Colts probably. Once we get to fit, well, well, that's where the garbage can comes into play. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you, 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 those videos that you're that you're putting on the four eternia website on 10 seconds on how to improve figures for Fisto, <laughs> i just get it in hand and then it just goes right into the garbage can you're 10 seconds improved. away to a better figure junk <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think on that episode you're just going to um protest and in your seat will be uh your wife yes. <laughs> showing off her tila yep. figures or something like that or i'll just be sitting with my arms crossed the entire time <laughs> <laughs> just won't respond <laughs> you know what and i have a feeling people would tune in for that just to see that reaction <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, we are now going to move to our detailed analysis of the episode one, The Power of Grey Skull for Masters of the Universe Revelation. Now, um, for a proper detailed analysis, we're going to go through the episode chronologically and then expand on points that are important to us so if you guys want to pause this podcast if you haven't seen episode one in a while the power of gray skull and then resume it after you watched it feel free so um but we're going to walk through step by step so um you're going to recall every scene as we go through so episode one this is the re reinvigoration of our fandom cult here we go yes it starts and it starts it first begins with this terrific intro where it starts out with exploding red lava rocks and bursting mm -hmm. streaks straight from the uh vintage toy packaging right yep. And that just gives you chills. And then um, Bear McGreary's wonderful music kicks in. 
which actually harkened back to me to the classic, and I hope I'm not butchering his name, uh, Basil Poladiris score of the 1982 Schwarzenegger film Conan the Barbarian. Okay. I mean, that score would start out dum 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 But here, um, you add on this like baritone choir, you know, that uh oh no one wants to hear me do this, but it's no no, please continue. But uh it's just it's just awesome how that the music and the choir chimes in. And then we get this great voice of um, actor Liam Cunningham narrating, you know, in the center of the universe on the planet Eternia. You know, I can't do his voice. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the backdrop, we get these gorgeous illustrations that harkens back to the, um, the beautiful art we got on the vintage toys. Mm -hmm. And do you know who the artist is for those pieces of work? Tell us. I, I'm that I'm not entirely sure. I think it's Ruby. Is it Ru Rudy Obrero? I, I believe that's. That I believe you're saying that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. If, if if I'm correct, you know, it it is that old art taken from the old, you know, from the vintage toy line and packaging and promotional materials. I don't know if I think there. I could be wrong on this, but I think there's also a few Earl Norum references in there who is also another big Motu artist, but I'm not entirely sure on that. I, I think it's primarily Rudy's work. I didn't know it was Norm, but you might be right. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not very, um, my memory's not great with the, with the artists, but what, Hey, whoever was behind it, it was gorgeous. And it was yeah. animated. Like uh, you ever watch a uh, motion comic? You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the old golden books, uh, VHS retelling of those, oh, those wow. of the, you know the master of the universe storybooks that yeah yeah they, they had vhs collections where they would tell those stories and they are narrated they had voice work but they had very minimal animation as well yeah and that as soon as i saw that intro i was like that's got to be a callback to those golden book videos it was so good and you know i love when maybe not many people catch on to this but i loved when um liam says that phrase where every other word is the letter s he does four s's in yeah, a row yeah 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 he he's goes, talking about uh snake mountain yeah he goes sanctuary of sin and sorrow yeah that's your four s's snake yeah. mountain sanctuary of sin and sorrow and it's and like he, just, <laughs> and he, he hits each of the the oh it's it's beautiful yeah no i i was like i said in in the last episode i watched the entirety of part one as soon as it became available which was one o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. so i was sitting on my couch just letting this wash over me this beautiful artwork this amazing music this amazing narration and i was i was hooked i was like this is what i've been waiting decades to see yeah i this wanted to rewind it i was like yeah <laughs> you know but i'm like no watch this thing first you know yeah because... i gotta i gotta get through the story <laughs> yep yep but um you know, the only thing curious was, um, and I guess they're being accurate, but it was funny that they changed, you know, only three others share the secret from the Filmation cartoon to it's now four others sharing. Mm -hmm. And they secret. include Cringer in that. And they include Cringer in that. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, I, 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 wonder I, what... I, I even like, I, he does more of the alliteration at that part too. He goes through, you know, their names of who shares the secret with Adam. And he says, you know, guardians of gray skull all. And just the way he says it is just like, it gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Just, it's beautiful. So it's a wonderful setup and um, it only appears once in the first batch of episodes. And then only once again, in the... I actually, I think if you watch each episode individually, I think it plays at the top of each episode. Does but it? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on that because every time, because when I watch it, I watch it all together as one full thing. Okay. But I, I, I think that's basically the intro and it's supposed to be similar to the filmation intro that played at the top of each episode before the title card pops up. You know, Colt, that never dawned on me that that might be a net Netflix mechanic. Yeah, I, I think it's part of the autoplay mechanic that it does the intro once, but if you're watching it back to back, that's the only time you see it. But I'm not, again, I'm not, I need to test that theory out, but I, I think, I think hmm. that's what's going on. Okay. So it's never played for me that way. Even when I've selected episodes on their own. Okay. But it's possible it still might be some sort of mechanic to do that since I've watched them all. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a wonderful intro. Whenever they play it, it's wonderful. And um, so that intro ends, right? And then funk. Strider. Yeah. Hits the, hits the ground. And a mysterious cloaked rider is leading Clawful and Spike or um, bound at the wrists. Mm -hmm. We see fireworks in the distance lighting up the night sky. And then we yep. see Castle Grayskull in front of us. Yep. And we see uh, Kevin Smith's name and then everyone else's mm -hmm. name. And then, um, and then we transition to the palace and uh, the fireworks are going on. And we're introduced to King Randor and Queen Marlena enjoying a celebration with the rest of the people. Except someone's not enjoying it. It's scared old Cringer quivering under yeah. the table. Oh, that Cringer, you know, scared like most <laughs> cats when it comes to um, loud noises, you know. Yeah. But he's afraid that the palace is under attack. <laughs> and I, you know, and I even love the little line that we get from Man at Arms where he says, you know, take it from one for what does he say? Take it from someone who's seen Battle Cat. And he gets, yes, you know, yes. he drops the Battle Cat moniker in there. Like it's and very, it's like, very, it's cute like wordplay. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. I saw what you did there, Duncan. Like, yeah, it's the meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV screen. That was all of us. He's like, he did it. He did the thing. He did the thing. <laughs> and uh, then in comes Tila, um, mm -hmm. who reveals she is being knighted as the next man in arms. So yep. she, she's getting a captain of the guard promotion. And this is her party. This is a celebration yep. in her honor. Yep, and I have no problem. Some people got bent out of shape. Man, it's a it, man of arms. And title. I'm like, I'm like, guess what? Man also stands for Hugh Man, you yep. know. And it does. And and man is in the word woman. And yeah, jeez, guys, don't get bent out of shape over that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't mean to bum you bum you out. I'm just saying. Let's but, be positive. Let's, let's be positive. Be positive. But yes, 
that was Actually, one of the complaints one of the other complaint one of the many complaints yeah against tila which is silly and actually, I, I'm feeling nothing but positive as I'm watching this. And um, mm-hmm. so then uh, Orko appears, played wonderfully uh, by Griffin Newman. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's all his real voice, too, guys. Griffin used no artificial modulation. I think in interviews, he stated that he recorded voice work and then they tried to run it through some mod- modulation just to see what it would sound like. And it just, the more they modulated it, the worse it sounded. And I'm like, no, his voice is, is great yeah. on its own. Yeah. Uh, Which it, is cool. Like he does a wonderful job. Yeah. And, and can I say that this is my favorite Orco of all time? You know, I was mm-hmm. like, like I was saying before, I think in the previous podcast, as a child, I just tolerated him, didn't hate him, didn't love him, but uh, just accepted him. But in um, the way he was in Revelation, I mean, so good. I mean, didn't didn't Kevin Smith say we'd all want to get tattoos of Orko after Revelation? (laughs) Well, well, I'm not getting a tattoo. I'm not about to reveal a tattoo (laughs) here, guys. But for the first time of my life, I have an Orco standing on my work desk, or rather floating, um, probably on my desk. So that's quite an accomplishment when it comes to me and Orco. So yeah, no, I I agree with that. I never did care for Orco too much until and, and Re- until Revelation, yep. and that's quite a feat. So you know, before then, he he had always just been played for laughs. He was the comic relief. Yeah. And you know what? I love the, I love his design as well. I love those eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something more endearing. Well, and I like his scarf. I like how, I don't know, his scarf just, I like how it hangs down the front of him and it just has a weight to it. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do. I like his, I like how his hat is designed with the little beads hanging from it. And you can see the stitching in the hat. It's a very cool design. It looks like yeah. a weathered, I don't know, like a, it's just very cool. <laughs> yeah. So props to Orko. Yeah. And uh, Orko is uh, annoying man at arms and <laughs> man at arms is sitting there getting frustrated with him. And uh, let me just stop right there and just say for me at this point, you know, everything feels right in the universe. You know, it, it, it felt like when I was watching this that I put on a warm, cozy, familiar pair of slippers that I haven't worn in years and all these good feelings are new again. You know, it's like, um, what they say is some, there's some friendships. You have a distant friend with someone that when you finally meet up again, it's like they never left. You just pick up. Yeah. Yep. And this is so far me watching this episode, how this show felt for me. I'm just smiling ear to ear and felt like I'm just back with family. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk, you know, we, I have a lot to say about this later in this episode, but it's very purposely done and it's very much hearkening back to the filmation days and it's making you feel, oh, this feels like a filmation cartoon. It's goofy. It's silly. It's happy. Yep. And that's all for a purpose. Yep. And we, we have that, um, innocence back, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, okay. So 
Uh, Tila says, where is Adam? And then we shift back to Castle Grayskull. And, and see, we see Adam. Uh, He's there. No, he, pull, he, we, he pulls the cloak off, doesn't he? You mean He-Man. Okay. Yeah. He threw me off. Yeah. We see He-Man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We see He-Man approaching Grayskull with those two prisoners. And at... At this point, Cole, did you get any inkling that this He-Man was really Faker? Your first time watching this, do you recall? Um, I, I thought that something was going on. I, I didn't think it was really He-Man. I don't know if I thought it was Faker just yet. I was wondering if it was maybe an illusion of some sort. But the way he was acting he didn't have a, he wasn't smiling he wasn't saying anything he was just this stoic massive figure standing there he seemed he came across very ominous and in my mind i was like i remember thinking that's a weird choice to introduce he-man and have him feel intimidating rather than friendly yeah yeah same thing with me he felt very stoic and I, and it felt like something was up Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe I did start thinking possibly faker. Um, but, um, but I wasn't hundred percent sure yet, not least at that point. Sure. So, um, so we continue and Zor, uh, appears and transforms into the sorceress on the castle Grayskull jawbridge in front of what she thinks is clawful spike or and he-man and what surprised me here is she's no longer hiding her transformation into zoar mm-hmm. you know that the, the the falcon this alternate sorceress form used to be a secret throughout the filmation series but now it's out in the open interesting you know granted her costume wasn't much of a stretch. It provides a lot of clues, you know, like uh, she all looks the, a lot the, like this all the colors in there. Yeah, that I see once in a while. This one <laughs> single falcon, you know. But um, I don't have uh, an issue with it, a big issue, but I just found it interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I think that was another hint that cued me into that this wasn't He-Man, is that you know, when she reveals herself he steps behind her, leaving her between him and these villains. Yeah. And I just remember thinking in my mind that that's, that doesn't seem like something He-Man would do. Right. And he didn't you know? say a word. I mean, he's yeah. not the strong, silent type for sure. Mm-hmm. And let me say, though, um, talking about sorcerers, um, I, I also found actress uh, Susan Eisenberg, who played the sorcerers, just absolutely uh, wonderful in this role mm-hmm. and her, vo- her voice is so forceful and commanding yet still compassionate you know yeah well it's cool because she's she's wonder woman as well yeah i know she, she voices wonder woman in a lot of the dc animated projects i mean she's really great and she's been doing wonder woman for ooh, how many years long time decades yeah yeah so no, she's got a great voice, and mm-hmm. it, it suits the sorcerers. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Perfect casting. Mm-hmm. So um, it turns out 
that Spike Gore really didn't have a football injury and a bum leg and a walking <laughs> stick. <laughs> Where did that come from? You know? So, it, you yeah. Know. I, I guess I just assume that if this is, you know, if this is He-Man, then this is just a wound that Spike Gore sustained in a fight with He-Man. Yeah. But uh, this... It, it really, you know, but this turned out to really be um, Skeletor and Evil Lynn hidden via the power of the shaping staff. And what I appreciated here was the shaping staff seemed, I mean, it was cleanly broken, but it's still broken in half since the 1983 filmation episode titled The Shaping Staff. Mm-hmm. where he-man broke the staff in two and after he-man broke it the shaping staff still had transforming powers but the power became unruly it became untamed and it could turn on the caster um and that's what happened in the episode once it was broken uh the transformation backfired in evil in and she turned into this like winged baby dragon eel versus you know her her target and um so perhaps skeletor discovered how to mend the shaping staff's focus but i was i was extremely thrilled i was probably maybe the only one i don't know but i was extremely thrilled to see that shaping staff half its size it's like okay you remembered (laughs) <laughs> that it was broken that it was broken yeah. yeah and you and you continued it here so yeah very cool so yeah so um so i think we go back to the palace and orko's magic is as unguided as ever and he accidentally accidentally excuse me traps cringer in a bubble that is not only soundproof but airproof. <laughs> so, so then uh, suddenly Adam shows up with a needle, pops the bubble, and, um, you know, when so Orko says, the line. yeah, when Orko says, does anyone have the power to, I don't know, get Cringer out of this thing? He says, I have the power. Another wink, wink, nod, mm-hmm. nod, you know? And we're still, you know, we're still very firmly entrenched in that old filmation style of you know cartooniness it's silly it's goofy yep it's, it's lovely it's lovely that's that's a great word it's lovely um but also this lovely moment is also an oh because that means it's not really he-man because mm-hmm. if, if adam's right? at the palace then who is he can't be he-man at the castle either yep yep so, so we go back to Castle Grayskull and Faker, well, He-Man, who turns out to be Faker, bear hugs the sorcerers from behind. And the sorcerer says, you're not Adam, but Adam here is actually spoken by Tila as the scene quickly cuts to Adam bear hugging Tila from behind. And, and this is what I was trying to convey, Colt, in the last podcast, that one of my favorite things about this series is the masterful way these transitions are written. You know, as mm-hmm. 
as a writer, there is a, there's writing a great story. And then there's a creativity that goes beyond that. You know, the marvelous technique of lining up one scene against another so seamlessly, you know, it's, it's, it's marvelous craftsmanship with creativity that's that's conscious of the medium you're writing for you know it's it's storytelling leveled up for television yeah and you you know you you had asked me in the last podcast like you know aj what's your you know your, your favorite aspects of um or your favorite scene of masters of the universe revelation and this this masterful technique that is woven through many episodes is one of the aspects I just love about this. You know, they didn't need to do that, but it's so creative and so well done that I go, yo, bravo. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I, I love it. Yeah. Very, very good transitions. Um, one thing I like about this scene is, you know, Adam is hugging Tila and she quickly you know, turns it into, puts him into an arm lock. <laughs> yeah. And it made me laugh because, you know, this, this is a direct reference to a scene from 2000 X where Tila does the same thing to Adam, you know, in a similar, in a similar moment, I think in the 2000 X series, their Orko is doing a magic show or perform performing. And he asks for a, a volunteer, a damsel in distress volunteer and Adam volunteers Tila. And tries to push her forward to be Orko's volunteer, and she quickly turns the tables on him. You know, so I I, I like it because it shows that playfulness between the two characters. You know that they're friendly with each other, but you know they also like to tease each other. And I love it where she calls it an attack, and he's like, "It's a hug." Yeah, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's like not every, and it all, and you know, and it also starts the tradition of this series of you know Tila interrupting. Adam when he's trying to say something, you know, whether a serious comment or a playful comment, like this one's obvious, obviously playful, you know, but we'll see yeah. that continue throughout the series where he's about to tell her something or say something to her and she'll interrupt him. They really have a great banner banter, yeah. uh, Tila and Adam. So you, you, yeah. you can tell that there's a close bond between the two. Sure. Yeah. And I like that. You too. So back at Grayskull, um, Sorceress uses her power to project some sort of heat within uh, Faker's Barog, causing his synthetic skin to melt. And then she just explodes his arms clear off. And then Faker does that something, you know, really cool where tentacle-like wires sliver from its yeah. severed shoulders and retrieve its severed arms. And it's very cool because, you know, before this happens, this is how Skeletor gains access to Castle Grayskull. You know, Faker has the sorceress restrained and he drags her within the castle itself. And this allows Skeletor and Evelyn to gain entry. Well, I, I think, doesn't she run, I think, from Faker? Yeah, so she she, 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 she runs after she blasts him, but they're already inside the castle. Well, that's true. That they point. somehow off-scene moved in, yeah, a yeah. little. But, um, yeah. but by, by the way, back on those uh, tentacle severed arms, man, on a side note, I would I would have loved if the Faker Masterverse figure had those severed arms as accessories. 
where mm-hmm. they could be displayed like that with some sort of like plastic, you know, tentacle coils. Yeah, the cables or what you know, whatever they are. It would yeah. be. I, I'm actually surprised that customizers haven't done that yet. Uh, maybe we'll have to do it. Maybe we'll have to. Have mm-hmm. to figure out a way because it's a very it's a very cool little thing that they do with Faker there. Ah, it's a great look. It really is. Yeah. So, um, all right. So after freeing herself from Faker, the sorceress casts a, she runs and then casts a cylinder of magic protection around her that harkens us back to a similar cylinder of light around the sorceress in the 1987 feature film, Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Did, did you go there too when you saw that? Oh, or? yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my, that was, that was the callback that I thought of, you know, obviously in the film, it was a prison that she was contained within by Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah. It was. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, that was the thought that went through my head. Was, it was, you, you can't come out. You, you, you can't come out versus you can't come in. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, um, and then uh, the sources says, you know, that line, uh, time after time, you've tried to take this castle. And, you know, it's that great line featured in the teaser trailer. And uh, just on a personal level, I so love that line and its delivery. I just love it. Yeah, it's good. Well, and it, you know, it's the very first line that we hear with this new revelation project. You know, that's the line that kicks off the teaser trailer, like you said. And that was our very first introduction to, you know, kind of what to expect from this show. And it's just such a, yeah, you know. It's a it's good very, line. It's Yeah, it's a good line. It's delivered perfectly. It carries weight with it. it it's, it's good. Yeah. So Skeletor uh, reveals he's not there to take the castle anymore, but he's after the quote unquote pearl inside Mm -hmm. so skeletor knows castle grayskull's secret finally um thanks to the orlax if you guys have read the prequel comics yeah if not he just knows so then this uh cool assault happens where Skeletor's army starts assaulting the castle with masses of skeletons, land sharks, a bunch of uh, those, uh, what are they called? Bashasauruses. Yeah, there's some Bashasauruses. There's some Rotons hovering around. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then the sorceress acts, activates the castle's defenses. Which is very cool. Oh, it's such an awesome scene, you know, and she's doing this all from her um, little, little uh, protective force field prison, you know, while mm-hmm. she's trying to hold off the villains and uh, so cool. And um, and Skeletor says to Sorceress, you know, you're overwhelmed and to call your champion. Another great line from the teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. You know? call your champion you know these lines are so quotable i think they're just going to stick with us absolutely you know and they do that thing where you know especially the call your champion line is at least for me it's like okay now we're going to get to see he-man the real he-man we're going to get to see him in action it's coming yep yep um 
yeah, basically um, back at the palace, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Dila is being knighted and um, Adam is going to get that message. But before he does, uh, Man in Arms is beaming with parental pride. Yeah, and then Randor, good old Randor, <laughs> remarks that he hopes he can be proud of Adam one day. He, th- he throws that shade at Adam, and it's just heartbreaking. Ah, <sighs> oh, it's harsh, right? It's so it's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, and there's real parents like that. Yeah, that later, if they ever go through an experience like this of losing a son, they they regret. You know, and they mean well but they're, they're just so cold sometimes, you know, and it, you know, I think about it often because, you know, you mentioned earlier that you're a father, you know, I'm a father as well, you know, we try to walk that line where we want to be, we need to be firm with our kids so that they can learn and so that they can grow, but never at the extent of, you know, to where they feel unloved or I don't know where they feel marginalized, I guess. Yep. You know, it, and it, it's it's tough as a parent. It's tough. So part of me can understand what Randor is trying to do. He's trying to instill some sense of responsibility into Adam. If he only knew, you know. Yeah. All right. So um, Sources calls Adam um, telepathically and lets him know that Castle Grayskull is under attack. Uh, Duncan tells Tila, the new man-at-arms, to lead them into battle. And the Eternians leave for safety. And Queen Marlena says to herself, uh, as she looks at Adam, uh, be careful, Adam, which means, dum-dum-dum, you know, Queen Marlena knows that Adam is He-Man, which anyone who remembers the Filmation episode, The Rainbow Warrior, they already, they already knew that back in the eighties. Yep. You know? Yeah, those, those those hints were were dropped in that episode very heavily. Yep, but now it's confirmed. The queen knows, and um, so finally, He Man's alone with Cringer, and Adam tells Cringer, not He Man's alone. Excuse me, Adam's alone, and he tells Cringer that sitting is for quitting. <laughs> And then doesn't doesn't that just make you smile? That line, like that's a classic filmation era line, you know, from this character. Corny, yeah. Corny is cheesy, but it's also optimistic and uplifting. I'm like, yeah, sitting is for quitting, you know. (laughs) Yep, it's great. So here's their uh, transformation sequence, you know, and um, Bear McCreary's awesome He-Man theme starts kicking in, and uh, Adam goes naked. You know, and uh, yep. but then I love personally love how the armor and gauntlets and the belt slapping on armor's body sounds like a hammer striking hot oh, iron. Exactly. Yeah, that that's something that I wanted to to focus on for just a minute too. Is you know when those gauntlets like they just clang onto him, and you feel the weight of it, and you just feel the power of it. You know, it it's a great transformation sequence that ching ching mm-hmm. it's it's almost it's like a just, magnet you know yeah it's just very it's very cool very well done very very well animated i i like it a lot i think it's i don't know it's hard to say that it's my favorite transformation scene when the filmation transformation exists 
but it's it's right there. It's neck and neck. It's very good. You know, I think I love them equally. Um, yeah. they're, they're different and, mm-hmm. um, both wonderful. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I think they're terrific. It's, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. Um, but yeah, you, you, you get the, that He-Man butt shot too in that sequence. <laughs> <laughs> it, it always, it, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> the, the he-man butt shot <laughs> i was too focused on the h uh on the chest instead of the iron cross yeah um, you, you were too busy being angry about the h on the chest <laughs> <laughs> no i was fine uh and i was also fine with uh cringer transforming into a much bigger battle cat than we're used to Massive. but i like but i like it you know there, there's also a slight difference in them both armoring up he-man's carries that metallic you know like you said the sound of just iron being hammered on but with with cringer it's more of a kind of the it sounds like leather slapping hmm. you know yeah yeah There's a, i was watching it again recently and kind of paying attention to that because you know but the sound the sound effects that they use for both of them are are different kind of portraying the different types of armor they're wearing to take you off uh, sidetrack real quick, uh, sure. do you do you prefer your battle cat to talk or just roar? I like I like I like the roar better. I don't like it when battle cat talks. I like when cringer talks. And to me, the reason why is because I feel like you know, much like Adam is the heart of He Man, I think cringer is the true heart of battle cat. And it's almost that like when battle cat takes over, it's this fierceness comes in that overtakes cringer's mindfulness and i guess sensitivity to things you know not to say that it makes him a dumb animal but it's just more of a primal thing that the power of grayskull grants to cringer right and i i i I think i prefer it when battle cat does not speak how about you ah you know i different answer for different times um yeah i I guess I can say I like when Battle Cat speaks in the Filmation series and I like him not speaking in this series. Uh, I, it looks like, obviously, I don't have an answer, right? I can, <laughs> I can go either way because there's really no logic behind that. You know, sure. maybe maybe because it's a little more for children, you know, I, I like the appeal of him, you know, E-Man, you know, but... Um, and this is a little more geared for adults and I just like the roar. Maybe there's some actual logic behind it, but um, I'm, I'm fine like this, you know, and um, mm-hmm. certainly as a filmation fan, not raising my, uh, a flag, you know, saying, Hey, wait a minute. Sure, <laughs> sure. He talks, you know, but um, what, one thing that I, one thing that I always liked that I wish we would have got a little bit more of in revelation is how he man talks to battle cat when they're both in those, in their powered up forms. I like how he man just calls him cat, you know? Yeah. And let's go cat. I don't know. It just, it's just such a cool, when I was a kid, I always just thought it was really, really cool that how, you know, how they would interact with each other. And we, I mean, we, we just don't get that a lot just because, you know, if, the events of the show itself but that's okay yeah the amount of time you have and yeah yeah 
All right, so uh, back to the battle at Castle Grayskull. Skeletor's army has the upper hand until Tila and her army appears and charges mm -hmm. the evildoers. Um, among them is Clamp Champ and your all-time favorite character, Fisto. My favorite guy. He's right there, front and center, first episode. <laughs> and uh, Clamp Champ is crushing uh, hover, hover robots, and Fisto is smashing uh, Skeletons. And mm -hmm. um, then the badass man-at-arms takes on Trapjaw on an array of uh, rotons and he's he's almost stopped by uh beast man and a bashosaurus mm -hmm. but he man you know steps well, in yeah i mean you get that cool moment where you're watching this arms with this massive boulder just swing forward to crush man at arms and then it just you see him cringe you know preparing for that attack or you yeah. know preparing for the impact of that yeah and then he just he does that you know where he just kind of looks up like it should have hit me by now and then yeah, he's my... just standing there with a grit with a big grin on his face effortlessly yeah. holding this boulder in place it's just, yeah. it's such a good ent entrance and he has a little smile and a little glean in his yeah. eye and yeah oh, cool. i love it and then uh let's see uh, Balakat, I think, finishes Beastman off. But meanwhile, Faker is bashing away at the Sorceress's uh, protective force field until mm -hmm. Man at Arms rushes in and slices and dices Faker with a uh, laser. Yep. Which is a cool scene. And he just splits so in half and it reveals, oh, it's Man at Arms, you know? And we get this the first hint that there's might be something more between man-at-arms and the sorceress they both give each other kind of a knowing endearing look to to each other they both have a, a smile for each other that goes beyond just being allies in battle yeah it happens real quick but i do see mm -hmm. it but then suddenly man-at-arms is uh blasted away with a sorcery blast um yep. from evil lynn um and then I think Evelyn goes for the the killing blow. Yeah, but, she, go, she goes for the kill. But then Orko appears just in time to deflect it and counter it. You know, all right, Orko. Yep. yep. Saves him out at arms. Yep. Um, Tila then cuts Evelyn's staff into a wand and gives her a nice Spartan kick. Yes. And then maybe my favorite badass moment of the episode, Man-at-Arms punches the evil <laughs> robotic steed known as the Night Stalker, a.k.a. Nightmare, and says, I'll handle this nightmare. Ugh. I love it. I love that it's just Man-at-Arms punching a horse. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's great. An evil robotic horse ladies and yes. gentlemen we're not well, let's be clear it's it's a robot it's not a live animal that he's punching yeah and it's just so awesome and 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 the, the robotic horse takes it by the way it doesn't oh like, yeah just level. It off. yeah but uh, I, i'd almost like to see that scene continue <laughs> you know but it's such a badass moment and i love it you know yeah and we don't get to see that scene because Tila runs down to the heart of the castle where the Council of Elders buried the secrets of Grayskull. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so does He-Man. And He-Man explains that all the magic that flows through Eternia starts there. Skeletor attacks He-Man, saying a familiar phrase, you know, let this be our final battle, you know, which is that classic line from the 1987 yeah. film. Yep. Frank Langella. And then uh, Skeletor does that real cool thing with the Havoc Staff where he swings it, he scrapes the head on the floor, which opens the Havoc Staff's mouth and sends a fireball shooting out of it. I was like, this is wild. And then He-Man just shrugs it off. He's just yeah. engulfed in flame and he just... He's fine. This is He-Man, <laughs> brother. Yeah. And then, uh, so Tila and Evelyn, they fight, and He-Man and Skeletor, they fight, and Skeletor does stuff like he transforms the bottom of his Havoc staff into a stabbing spear, Mm -hmm. and Skeletor does one of the coolest moves where he rams his fist through a portal, which resizes Skeletor's fist like 20 times larger to punch He-Man. It's awesome. Yeah. It and is awesome. Just punches right back and does he break his wrist? It. it looks like it. Like I mean, I don't know if he actually breaks it, but it hurts Skeletor for sure. It is his hand looks. Yeah, it flops kind of there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he recovers quite nicely. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, very good moment. It is a great moment. Um, so Skeletor separates He-Man from his power sword thanks to ref- a uh, reflective blast. And just when Skeletor is about to retrieve the power sword, we hear enough and Moss Man appears voiced by the great Alan Oppenheimer who did filmation Skeletor. Yep. Guys in his 90s, bless his heart. And, um... and he's massive. When Moss Man appears, he's massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's um, the size of Granamir. Mm-hmm. And um, but then Skeletor burns Moss Man with fire coming out of his Havoc staff. And this is the moment for me where innocence is lost because yeah, this, this is the change. Yeah, we had a hundred and 30 episodes guys of he-man and the masters in the universe before this the filmation series and while there was close calls no one died to this point now i get it it's a kid's show but still you know for me not fracturing the orb but this moment moss man's death to me starts the real fracturing of the universe you know and it's it's a pretty horrific death i mean He's engulfed in flames, and we see we see his skeleton before he turns to ash. Yeah, it's, it's you know? and a scream in in pain. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, it, it's a it's a shocking moment for sure. And like you said, this is the moment where innocence is lost, and this is the big, I guess, the big turning point of the series. Yeah, it's it. And it's escalation that begets escalation. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 checkers that just changed to to chess in in Eternia. <laughs> you know, and um, 
naturally enraged with uh, watching his friend die, He-Man charges Skeletor uh, with his sword to finally put an end to it and finally use the sword the way it was meant to be, as Skeletor points out, stabbing Skeletor. But what Skeletor really means is meant to be the key to the Hall of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. And as He-Man stabs Skeletor, Skeletor grabs He-Man's forearms, thrusts the sword inside deeper into his body to unlock the orb behind him. And um, I believe Kevin Smith called the moment metal, you know, when Skeletor is grabbing, yeah. you know, his forearms and shoving the sword deeper. And I have to agree with that. So yeah. it is. So there's a game that I play with my brother whenever we, you know, play video games or watch things where we'll send each other screenshots of what we're doing and just ask, hey, is it metal? <laughs> you know? This is one I of you're going to say you stab each other with stuff. You know, there's a game because we were just well, talking we, about. <laughs> yeah, we, we did make our own swords growing up on a farm. We would weld chunks of iron together, but that's another story. But no, <laughs> we, 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 we play the, is it metal game where we send each yeah. other screenshots of just different things that we're doing, video games, things like that. And, but this is definitely one of those moments. It's Skeletor grabbing the sword, you know, that's in He-Man's hand and just pulling it deeper inside his own body. That's great. It's nuts. And even He-Man has kind of a look of horror on his face. Yep. Yep. So uh, Evil uh, Evil Lynn, she runs over to heal Skeletor, who falls after the wound. And it seems like he takes a little bit of that restoration power and then pushes her away. Like, you know. Yeah. Like, you healed me enough, you know, for now. It's interesting. Yeah, he, he kind of waves her off, you know, and I... It's an, in, it's an interesting scene. Yeah. And Skeletor reveals that the Council of Elders uh, concentrated their knowledge and power into this orb to protect it and concealed the Hall of Wisdom into Castle Grayskull to protect the orb. You know, that mm-hmm. Castle Grayskull is actually an illusion. Mm-hmm. And and hiding its true identity, the Hall of Wisdom, and um, there were, you know there was a lot of controversy and a lot of controversy, not compared to everything else. But some fans got bent out of shape with the word illusion. You know yeah. that that Castle Grayskull apparently wasn't tangible ba- based on this word. But the way I see it. First, illusion, the definition of illusion doesn't necessarily 100% mean intangible, you know, sure. uh, a mirage, but it means more of a, a disguise of, of true purpose. And if you, if you look at the, go ahead, go, go ahead. I'll let well, you finish. If you look at the Hall of the Wisdom, when it transforms into Castle Grayskull, the towers are a little different heights. And, you know, you could be on top of these towers and you're not. It, if you're you're dealing with different tower heights as an illusion, that would be practically impossible, you know. And um, and we even see uh, chunks of Castle Grayskull come apart later in later episodes as Evil Lynn is destroying the place. And uh, so I think it's more the word um, the appropriate word is transfer uh, transfiguration or with- tra- or trans yeah tra- either transfiguration or transmutation. But yeah, yeah, it's a definitely it's a tangible change. 
not yeah. necessarily a holographical change or a mirage like you stated. And that, and that's what I was going to say when I interrupted you is that it, it felt more of a tangible transformation. And they use transfiguration in the prequel comic books. Yes. Um, so now this, now this is also a bit of lore that, like you said, you know, fans were upset by this, but this is actually lore that goes back to the day. It's I don't think it's mini comics, but it's early storybooks. There's an early storybook sequence where it shows where it explains the reason why Castle Grayskull looks so grim. There's many sources, but there is a record album that came out um, in 1983, the same year as the Filmation series, that had this entire backstory yeah. um, of Castle Grayskull being actually the you know a hidden hall of wisdom and the orb and and a lot of that was also in. Um, Michael Halpern's uh, Bible for the yeah. filmation series. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so this was actually, you know, and that's what this, this movie, the movie, this series did is pull from, from available lore when the filmation episodes themselves did not provide an explanation. Yes. So, you know, so, so people, you know, I, I, I guess my, my thing with this series is, Generally, when people are upset about something that the show does or explains, it's a pretty safe bet that we can point to instances where, you know, no, it actually is something that has happened before in the war. You know, yeah. and it, it, it's another example of Revelation being very consistent with what came before. Yeah. And and the 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 history is all there if if you choose to look for it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So as um, as smart as Skeletor thinks he is, and he does think he's pretty smart. He's um, the smartest man in the room. The smartest <laughs> skeleton man in the room. The smartest <laughs> demon from another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. He thinks he's smart, but to obtain the elder secrets, he smashes the orb <laughs> <laughs> to release the power, which starts a cataclysmic event. But it's it's such a classic Skeletor moment, though. Like he has within his grasp ultimate power, and the best he can do is shatter it. <laughs> yep. Like it just, I mean, it makes me laugh. Like that's Skeletor. Uh, that is Skeletor. So, uh, so the sorceress then holds back time, but yeah. she says time is stronger than magic. So there's only moments to spare before all the power that originally created the universe escapes the orb and is unleashed again, basically creating, I guess, another big bang, you know, a big bang yeah. 2.0 in yep. the universe, it seems. So... The sorceress reveals that she stopped time to see Tila one last time. And Tila responds, me, you know, because mm -hmm. she, yeah. she clearly Why, doesn't yeah. Yeah, know that she's the sorceress daughter. You know, another explanation mm -hmm. that is about to come <laughs> finally, but doesn't come, right? How many times yeah. in the series someone's <laughs> about to reveal to her? <laughs> That the sorceress is her mother and it doesn't get revealed, you know? Yeah, so somebody interrupts. And in this yeah. case, it's He-Man interrupts. 
Yeah, it's He-Man with a plan, you know. He-Man wonders what would happen if he calls on the power of Grayskull again while he's already in the He-Man form. And would the sword not only draw the power of Grayskull, but all the power from the cracked orb? Would it contain the blast? And this is another moment for moment of confusion for Tila because she asks, what do you mean, you know, in this form? Yep. You know, she, she's confused by what he's talking about. Yeah, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, here it comes. This is the the revelation, you know? This is why mm-hmm. it's in the title, you know? But I ultimately love this plan where the sword becomes a conduit to all the energy and the power that, you know, yeah. we've seen Adam say, by the power of Grayskull and turn into He-Man, but now we have He-Man saying, by the power of Grayskull, just to, you know. Just to, to suck dr- it all up to suck it all up. Yeah. And, um, so time starts slipping back in motion again and the sorceress yells and gasps as she struggles to slow it down again. And personally, I just really love the sorceress, the power level of the sorceress on display here and what she can do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, often in the filmation series, we see, we, we could see a little bit of her, power set and i wished we would see more Mm -hmm. and here we do and Uh, yeah i mean this is pretty she's holding back time yeah like that's pretty pretty powerful she's struggling but she's holding back time yeah no one else is doing it (laughs) and and i love the visuals of the blast still you know the blast like um slipping in motion only to be held still again only to be finally you know released you know so um well you know and, and importantly this is you know there's this moment where he-man says what you know get you know comes up with this plan you know and the sorcerer says yes that it will be possible but you you have to be holding the sword in order for it to work you know and, and tila says to him you know but the blast will kill you even somebody as powerful as you it will kill you you know and he-man has that great heroic line where you know he says if i don't do this then everybody dies yeah and it's just you know i think kevin smith said it a, a few times it's one of those moments where this is a defining moment for he-man you know he doesn't step into the room see that things are super serious and just say well you know i'm just gonna go he's like no this is why i'm a hero this is this is my purpose yeah it's pretty epic it is it is and um yeah now it is a great line and um so so knowing he will die doing this he-man uh calls on the power of grayskull as the sorceress says we're out of time you know and uh he-man pulls all the energy from the orb Mm-hmm. The power splits the sword, which is um, a nice callback to the vintage toys. Yes, the two, you know, the twin halves. Yeah, where you get to split them apart. I love that. So good. It's, when I saw that, as soon as I saw that, I was so excited. I was like, okay, we're getting, we're getting the two halves of the power sword, which we never got really in the cartoons. Nope. You know, the clo- the closest we came was. Keldor's swords in the 2000 series, which that was the initial plan. It was supposed to be the two halves of the power sword. Yep. 
But, and, fil- you know. and filmation, there was an episode where the sword got merged with another power sword. Yeah, it got it got merged with the sword of ancients. Yep, but still not the same thing. But yeah. um, here we go. Yep, and uh, just you know, he's holding the swords, you know, apart. There's magic coursing. Time is no longer restrained. Skeletor is now seeing what's going on. And and that's the point now that Tila sees because Tila yeah. is struggling to see against the the blinding lights, mm-hmm. and Tila turns away from the, the the brightness and she watches with one eye, Battlecat transform back into Cringer, mm-hmm. and that's when the realization hits and her eyes go wide. And squinting and blinding light be damned as she spins her widened gaze towards He-Man to realize, you know, it's Adam. And it's yeah. like, wow, it's happening. Tila finally know it. Uh, she knows. knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Skeletor good. has that wonderful line where, you know, that power is mine. Or no, he, he he says he's holding all the power of the universe in his bare hands. He's just a boy. Yeah. And it's just so good. And we see Adam standing there holding the two swords apart, all this power coursing through. Yep. And then it's, he looks back at Tila. Yeah, Skeletor grabs He-Man by the wrist just at that mm-hmm. last minute and, and yells, like you said, no, you know, the power is mine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the look back, you know, that look, I mean, this might be my personal favorite scene in in the whole series, you know, Um, to answer your question, finally, if I really think about it, Um, the music gets quiet, you know, you hear the, the quiet, somber melody, a soprano voice as Adam looks back at Tila right before he dies. Then there's that flash of white and then death. He's gone. He's and gone. He's gone. And it's such a gut punch and it's so well done. You know, that I'm like, wow, this is just. it. It's yeah. You know, I agree with you. It, it is. I don't know if it's my favorite part, but it's probably my second favorite part in the entire series. Yeah. You know, we just, the look on his face is one of, regret and kind of it's a sorrowful look i he's not afraid of what he's doing you know he's not afraid that he's about to die he he's accepted that but he's looking back at her and he has this look on his face that you know he's just silently begging her to understand yeah and it's heartbreaking you know this was the moment and then you know the immediate moment after this where tila falls to her knees and calls yeah. out his name. You know, she falls to his knees and says, "Adam." Yeah, she, she has tears, tears in her eyes, and it's just it's heart it's heart wrenching. She she whispers, "I think Adam." Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and, and all she just be- says it very quietly. All behind you hear that, um, like a somber choir singing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, it, 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 it's very much a eulogy type yeah. of music. And and Tila, you know, kneeling behind around that burn mark. You know, yeah. just on the ground. And um, and then again, that transition, right? You see that painful face of Tila. Yeah. And it takes us to that, to the palace. Yeah. 
you know, a masterful just still in shock from it, you know, transition. Yeah, that, that beautiful transition work they do where it's the background changes, but the, the shock is still the same, right? It's the same, you know, thing. and, and this is one of those moments that I point to when people criticize Tila for not mourning Adam. And mm. I mean, she's on her knees weeping for him. I don't know. I don't know what else she needs to do to mourn, you know, and this yeah. isn't the last time she weeps for him. No, yeah, the series. No. But this moment is, I mean, it brings her to her knees. Yeah. It's a wonderful moment that I think when I first started watching the series, first time I saw this episode, first time I saw any episode, obviously it's episode one, I realized there was something special here. You know, I realized that this wasn't just going to be some fun He-Man cartoon, Mm -hmm. that this was going for something more and achieving it. And I I was so impressed. It's one of those moments that we kind of talked about in the last episode where eventually the series, this podcast is just going to devolve into us, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it's, it's that moment where I'm watching a He-Man cartoon and I'm feeling these emotions, you know, and I'm feeling the, you know, I'm feeling that sadness that they want to evoke there. Oh, Cole is feeling many emotions. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right, so it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. It is. So let's. But now get let's get get back to to the palace. Yeah. So uh, Duncan shares the bad news to the crown that He Man has succumbed. He's mm-hmm. dead, and everyone but King Randor now knows what this means. That Adam is dead too. You know, mm-hmm. but. Grayskull has lost our champion, King Randor proclaims. And the queen replies, Randor, we've lost our son. Mm-hmm. And Randor goes ballistic. And you know what? As a husband, as a father, I get it. You know, the the, the, death, the death of your child compounded by the immediate realization of the lies you've been told all your life by the people you trust and supposedly love you about your son, not their son, about yeah. your son, where they couldn't be honest to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and please, I don't think I could ever personally forgive my wife for not telling me if I was Randor. I mean, that is a difficult ask, you know? It's, it's a realistic reaction. Yeah. To this kind of a thing, you know, not only is it, you know, just the realization that you're being lied to, but also, you know, what we hinted at earlier in this episode about Randor being hard on Adam all his life, you know, now there's tons of emotions going through him right now. You know, he's grieving, but he's also, I mean, he's feeling guilt for how he treated his son, never knowing that he was this great hero all along. He was what he wanted him to be. Yeah. That's I mean, what Randall realized. Yeah. And it's, all, and it's all at once. It's all at once. It's overwhelming. His reaction is realistic and expected, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and Tila's reaction, too. You know? Well, that, and, and, and I, I think this is the moment where Tila fully breaks. You know, yeah. Randor is furious he's lashing out he's demanding duncan to leave the kingdom 
and never return or else he's going to be executed. And then he commands Tila, you know, Duncan's adoptive daughter, or so we think, you know, to carry out that sentence, escort your father from the kingdom. And if he ever returns, he's executed. I don't think Randall would ever pull the trigger on that. No, absolutely uh, no not. He would. Right. No, it, this is anger speaking. This is, yeah, anger speaking. I mean, if you wanted him dead, he'd kill him now and not even just, you know, give him a chance to, you know, leave the palace. It's just, yeah, it's just anger. It's just, it's, it's, it's the combination of grief and anger and heartache and betrayal and broken trust that is mm -hmm. just too much to bear, you know, mm -hmm. for, for Randor and Tila. I just see yeah, them absolutely. with, with parallel. It's a, it's a parallel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I understand why she's done and she quits. Yeah. She's furious. She's mad at what happened. She's grieving the loss of her friend. She's, she's grieving the loss of two people. You know, she, up until the moment she saw Adam standing where He-Man had once stood, she didn't know. So now she's lost both He-Man and Adam. And I know they're the same person, but you know, all her life, they've been separate people. Yeah. You know, she has that grief to carry with her. She has the shock to carry with her. And then the anger sets in and the realization that everybody around her is lying to her, just like they lied to Randor. It, it is very much a parallel thing for these two characters, the two characters that really didn't know the most intimate part of somebody that they loved. Yep. And that's a lot to take. Yep. And, and it's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So, and so, yeah, so, you know, this is what I alluded to earlier where, you know, this is where things change. It's no longer a filmation episode. It's no longer that lovely feeling of warmth and happiness and joy at watching our characters doing the things that we watch them do as kids. Things have just become real. The hero that we grew up with is now dead and the other heroes are broken and falling apart this family unit is falling apart tila leaves the palace throws down her crown throws down her sword it's it's a turning point for what this series is going to be about where the stakes are high the stakes are real and the consequences are real yeah it's pretty much saying what you, the the series you started with in that episode is not the series you're finishing with, right? It's like it's like yeah. um when Orko tells Tila not to go, right? We we can get yeah. through this together like we always do. But mm -hmm. but sorry, can't. sorry, Orko, you can't. This this 131st episode of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is not going to reset to exactly. a happy place like the 130 episodes before it. And yeah. in those 130 episodes that came before, He-Man never died. Yep. You know? That's it's crazy. a lot to swallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's 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 wonderfully painful, right? Uh, what's yeah. that song, uh, John Mellencamp, Hurt So Good, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's like that. So, mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and this is one of those emotional reactions I had to this series, and it's not going to be the last one that I have, but it's one of those moments where I hate what I'm seeing on screen. I hate that Tila's leaving. I hate that everybody is heartbroken. I hate that He-Man's dead. But I know that this is a story that I'm going 
to be into and that narratively this is good storytelling yeah agreed and i can't wait to see what comes next because you know good stories we need that drama we need the bad things to happen so that we can see the good things happen as well yep so this is this is a good episode this is a great episode yeah let's just uh, one of my favorites let's just cap it off that uh tila leaves and within the crowd um we hear the voice of alan oppenheimer again yeah yeah um he proclaims you know he may have finally killed skeletor you know and um and Antila gives the palace one more look back and then and then leaves you know and then we get um bear mccreary's masterful masterful score is the sound of i believe like a a single somber trumpet you know slowly yeah. playing he-man's theme and then and then brought it's a it's a yeah it's a funeral song yeah and and, and then i'm like with you bravo this is quite an episode yeah you know? it's amazing you know everything that's happened and it's only how long i don't know 25 minutes or so maybe 28 yeah, I don't know. something like that i don't know the running time shame on me but uh it, it is it is well it's you you put a lot in an episode but it doesn't feel uh, to me underserved at all no, i don't need no. anything else i don't need five more minutes of them yelling at each other about not knowing no. the secret or you know five minutes more of the 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 fight or it, it's just i think perfectly paced and um terrific episode man it's just yeah. and 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 a sign of things that come i mean we're going to be going through this and we're going to keep saying this is a terrific episode you know mm -hmm. this one's a 10 out of 10 again you know yeah you know and this is i, I i'm trying to talk about this in a, in in a positive light but it's another one of those things where, you know, when people criticize the show, I don't know, it, it, it's hard for me because what I'm seeing is I'm seeing stories similar to other stories that I've loved in comics and film that I've seen before. You know, this is a death of Superman story. This is the Batman Nightfall story, you know, where the hero that we love, the hero that always comes through in the end they're broken they're killed they're dead you know what happens next this is insane you know yeah. we obviously know that you know it's very much well much grounded in the sci-fi comics territory we know things aren't permanent when it comes you know death isn't permanent that isn't that the comics rule yeah but i don't know i, I guess as when i saw this i loved it because i knew we were getting a special story from this setup well you know i think it looks like we don't know for sure there's no official confirmation but it looks like their hard work paid off enough to grant them to to continue this story right yeah and yeah. if that turns out to be true because there hasn't been an official announcement yet. Mm -hmm. 
that then that is where I believe there's a silent majority. You know, the, the people who watched yes. the first half went back and watched the second half. You know, they might have not realized it came out during Thanksgiving holiday because it wasn't sure. heavily promoted, but did catch up with it, did love it, maybe even watched it again, maybe even watched it a third time. And whatever those metrics are behind that Netflix wall, it it seems like it's it's deemed um the money and the time to to go back and do this again and and if anything that is their um their trophy their yeah their acknowledgement that people did like it, this you yeah know? it's validation it's validation yeah and look, we're a sign, right? We're, I yeah. mean, look how much we're just sweeping about this and the, and the people come to foreternity.com and the people mm -hmm. that go to the Facebook groups and buy these Masterverse figures. Um, the people that send us emails, you know? Yeah. Like, it's touching people. People are responding positively to this series. Yeah. I mean, except for Fisto, what did they do wrong? <laughs> well... It's Fisto. That's what they did. Wrong. I love how this. I, I love how this. I love how a comment where I say I don't like Fisto as a character has turned into. Now I have to double down on my hate for Fisto. <laughs> I can't help myself. Cole. I'm sorry. I no, can't. it's fine. It 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 makes me laugh. It's it, it's it got funny. struck stuck in my craw, and then it's like <laughs> I've got to ride this until there's no air in those tires. You know, <laughs> you can ride it till the fist falls off. <laughs> That's right. Hey, wait till we get to that Fisto joke. You know. But that's oh yeah, um, yeah. That's the second half, or to some people, season two. But um, yeah. All right, we've been going at it at this for a long time. Colt, do you have anything mm -hmm. else additional you want to add or say before we sign off? Uh, no, I think I think I've said everything. I'm. It's just Great. a wonderful episode, lovely episode, lovely character work, and it sets the stage for what's to come. Agreed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, or as uh, Kevin Smith says, kids, uh, that's a wrap. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and comment below. We love the feedback. And who knows? Who knows? We may even share some comments next time on the air. And uh, you can also email us at fourturnia at gmail.com. And as always, um, please visit us at fourturnia.com for all the latest news and updates, as well as links to our social media pages that can be all found on that website that can help you stay up to date with all of our content. So that's it. Um, from me and Colt. Again, thank you for listening, fellow attorneys, and let the power return. We'll see you next time.